You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly, as always, bringing you the show here each and every week. And uh, once again, uh, I'm glad to be joined. Uh, Doug hasn't been on the last two shows, but he is back. The man is back on, on the line. Doug, how are you? I'm good. I'm making my, my triumphant return. I'm hearing all the applause in my background, but um, no, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, football season in full effect, unfortunately, like you mentioned, haven't been on the past two shows. Just some scheduling things between Ireland and the United States, um, but um, no, I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm glad that we're we're uh, able to talk about week recap and, and week three review or preview. Yeah, and um, obviously the, I did try and edit in the, the sound effects there of the ruptures applause, but unfortunately, uh, I don't know, something something went wrong there, and uh, we have no applause for Doug, unfortunately, for him. Uh, yeah, I, I, have to, <laughs> I have to talk to you if that's a better sound quality guy. I just I think the guy doing it right now is just not, not, uh, not the best we could get. Yeah, unfortunately, that guy is me, so uh, shots fired already. Oh, oh, oh yeah, as, uh, no, I, I know that. No, I, I knew that. Yeah. As Doug makes his way back onto the show, shots fired already. And uh, on today's show, we're going to be joined <laughs> by Connor Allen. Connor is a contributor to Roto World as well as the creator of FantasyFootballMetrics.com. And uh, Connor, somebody who over the last number of months on Twitter I've been following and he's been uh, sending out a lot of good information. So I wanted to get him on the podcast. And we're going to have a, a lovely uh, discussion here about week two and looking ahead to week three and uh, get our thoughts on many, many things throughout the NFL. So, uh, Connor, thanks for jumping aboard the show. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, no problem. Our pleasure. And uh, obviously, as we start the podcast, I like to tell everyone to make sure they're subscribed to the show. So whether you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or you're streaming it on the website, uh, OvertimeIreland.com, do hit the subscribe button. Come back each and every week as we continue to have great uh, guests come on and talk all things NFL with us here on the podcast. Uh, back again once more is our NFL Europe Shop promo code. You can save 10% off all orders on NFL Shop Europe uh, by just clicking in OTI10 at checkout. So anything on their website that is up there, uh, they basically the exact same as NFL Shop, but it is the European version of it and save 10% off all orders on there. Just put an OTI10 at checkout and that is NFLShopEurope.com. Uh, with all that said, all the plugs done, I'd like to get them done as briefly and as quickly as possible. We're going to get into talking about some of the Week 2 uh, injuries, I guess, we'll look at. And unfortunately for me, a player that I own on a lot of my rosters is Greg Olson. He is uh, out with a broken foot. He has gone on IR, and his timeline seems to be around six games. Obviously, injured reserves pushes that a little bit longer, but probably around uh, eight weeks for him to return uh, to action. Ed Dixon is likely to take over from lead duties for him, but... He's really only an option, you know, if you're uh, really stuck or in uh, deeper leagues looking for tight end help in fantasy football. Uh, Greg Olson, uh, is he a player, Connor, that uh, you've been a fan of over the last uh, few seasons? I know in Dynasty in particular, I've uh, Greg Olson on a lot of teams, so it's really gonna it's really gonna put me in a spot of a bother here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of his game. He's been one of the most consistent tight ends over the last few seasons. And, you know, it really stinks that he's gotten injured. You know, he's been really consistently playing as well, which is important, you know, unlike Gronk. Um, but, you know, I, you got to think deeper here, too, with the impact this could do to Cam, too. So, I mean, I'm thinking that he should be okay with McCaffrey and Calvin Benjamin because, you know, he was able to do more with less, you know, in, in uh, different years, such as 2015. But, you know, he hasn't looked all that great either. But, uh, you know, Olsen shouldn't make a huge impact for him. But, we'll, you know, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see the Panthers without him. 
Yeah, and obviously uh, Cam actually got rolled up on a little bit in that game himself and was down uh, for a moment or two on the field. But he did continue and finish out the game. A disappointing uh, game to watch, but obviously a good win overall for the Panthers against the Bills this past week. So we'll see what Ol- uh, or what Newton can do without Olsen. He is, uh, you know, yet to... I think what happened in 2015 with him being the MVP is uh, kind of the outlier and obviously for fantasy football we do get a lot of rushing yards usually from Cam but just this season so far he hasn't looked all that good uh, particularly uh, as a pocket quarterback it has been a quite disappointing start for him but only two games and we'll see how that goes. Doug I know you're the man to talk about New England Patriots with uh, Rob Gronkowski had a groin injury which is not believed to be too serious uh, against the New Orleans Saints he had a pretty nice uh, a pretty monster game to be honest uh, that long touchdown and overall prior to getting uh, that injury but he didn't practice we're recording this on Wednesday he did not practice today uh, what do you expect uh, to happen with Gronk here moving forward do you expect him to be out there come Sunday that's a good question uh, yeah he did not I know I, I asked it uh, well, I mean, that's up for debate whether or not you actually do. But, um, but no, uh, yeah, Gronk did not practice today. Not believed to be a serious injury. Um, it's tough because I, I think that, you know, you saw him after he left the game on Sunday. You know, he went to the tent. He was on the stationary bike. He was standing on the sidelines. He looked like a guy who was almost ready to come back in. But the team wasn't going to risk it. Um, you know, sat out today. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays on Sunday. Um, I don't know if he'll do much, but I think part of it's a desperation play just because they have yet to add anybody onto their active roster as a skill player or as like a, a wide receiver. And if you look um, at the injury report, two out of the three wide receiver team, actually three out of the four, if you include Matt Slater, are all in the injury report is limited today with Amendola limited, um, Chris Hogan limited um, and Philip Dorsett. So three or three out of four out of five, I should say, I'm sorry, wide receiver or wide receiver eligible guys are on the injury report in one way or another. Um, the only one not be the only one being Brandon Cooks that's not. So I think it's going to be a situation where the, the, the Patriots are going to try and get him out there. Um, maybe not do much. I don't expect him to do much except for run, you know, hopefully some routes that, you know, underneath, you know, sort of openly the deeper part of the field. I don't know if he'll do much. This sounds like a, a not long-term injury, but still something that could bother him for you know a week or two, like we saw last season, hamstring injury he had. Yeah, and they're obviously they're hosting the New England Patriots this uh, coming. Sunday so it should be a game that the Patriots can win easily at home but we'll see and obviously Gronkowski as you mentioned it's not really even thinking about I, I think he will be if, you know if this was an important match coming up I think there'd be no problem with him playing this Sunday I think though with Gronkowski and we've all kind of hinted on his injury history already as we get into the podcast quite early it's uh, one of those ones that the Patriots will be thinking long term and if they can get through this week and uh, beat the Texans without him uh, obviously that would be their uh, preferred option there so we'll see as uh, we go forward throughout the week with the injury report but Doug you kind of touched on it there a lot of injuries for the Patriots so I'll uh, get Connor's thoughts on it with the injuries mounting up for the Patriots what do you think uh, you know as we go there's only two weeks in but the Patriots are pretty banged up already yeah and you know it's kind of scary because you come into the season you're like oh my gosh like the Patriots have everyone you know it's uh, they have a crazy arsenal of uh, weapons and now they're just dropping like flies right now so you know for Gronk to be injured I don't think I mean, I think that if he, like you said, you know, if it was a big game, he'd play. But realistically, they're 14-point favorites, and I think they could very well dominate the Texans, uh, you know, without him. So we'll see. 
Yeah, it's it's obviously one of those. I, I think it's early in the season. Obviously, you're hoping just uh, to keep him healthy. Grant is uh, obviously the key part of this offense. But with Edelman out, uh, with the injuries going around, uh, you know, I, I was very uh, big on Chris Hogan heading into last week with what he could do in his performance. He had a nice game against the Saints. But just, you know, there's only so many players that you can uh, get injured at this time. I've seen Philip Dorsett run quite a few extra routes last week, and I'm, I'm sure that that's something that uh, the Patriots hadn't planned on this early in his stint with the Patriots. Moving on to the Packers, and Jordy Nelson limped off in the first quarter against the Falcons and didn't return, but he has practiced on Wednesday, so that is good news for Jordy, obviously, with that quad injury. Uh, happy to see him uh, getting ready to, to suit up this Sunday. So, uh, you know, with him, if he did miss time, be more targets for players like Devontae Adams. Ty Montgomery, who's having a quite a monster workload as a as a running back. Uh, he's pretty much played in, uh, I think it's over 90% of the Packers' offensive snaps so far this uh, this season. So he's getting a huge workload. The other player then is Randall Cobb. He left with, a, with an injury, a shoulder injury. The MRI did come back negative on that, but he hasn't practiced as of Wednesday, which was quite a surprise with that MRI coming back negative. But maybe these teams, like with Gronkowski, maybe just been a little bit a little bit extra caution as we uh, head in to the early stage of the season here, trying to keep everyone just a little bit fresher. The other player is Andrew Luck. He's still not practicing. He has been ruled out for this uh, week three fixture. So, you know, we remember back to uh, maybe two or three months ago when we were being told that uh, Luck will be ready for week one. Well, that was obviously not true, and he's still uh, not going to be back for week three. But, uh, Connor, with Luck, uh, it's kind of a case of when or if. Is it, uh, are you still confident of him coming back this season, or if the Colts continue to struggle, do you expect uh, a case of, uh, you know, we may see him being shut down if it, if it goes another two or three weeks? So, yeah, with Andrew Luck, I mean – we really have no idea if he's going to play because the organization all off season has been saying that he's going to be fine. And there's been no worry pretty much, but it seems like they're just entirely stringing along their fan base to try and get suck more money out of them because it seems like he's not even close. He hasn't practiced. He hasn't thrown. And they've said no timeline on his return, just that he's getting better. So I'm not confident anymore that he plays this season at all, because if you're looking at the next few games, if they lose those, I mean, they're underdogs to the Cleveland Browns right now. Uh, so, I mean, if they can't beat them or, you know, like one of the bottom teams in the NFL, you know, it's kind of getting to the point where they might as well just shut them down all season. Yeah, that really puts it under perspective when you're uh, underdogs to the Cleveland Browns. Doug, Andrew Luck, uh, is it time to just, uh, you know, think to, think like Connor said that it, he might not play this season? Yeah, I just, like, like Connor said, he hasn't thrown, he hasn't practiced. There's already, spe- we're already we're already talking about the fact that he's probably not going to play week four. It's just been a situation where it, it just exposes how bad the Colts are. How, and this has been the case ever since, even before Angela came in there, how deficient it is behind, outside of their quarterback, which is really just the way it was constructed. And it's not the fault of Chris Ballard. It's just, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. They've said that he's going to be ready for the season opener. That obviously was a lie. I, I bet they knew from quite some time. Maybe I have a bias against them, but I just don't think Andrew Luck plays. And I think they're going to consider it a wash. You know, it's it's going to be the point where they're going to be, you know, potentially 0-3, 0-4, 0-5. What's the point in bringing him back? Because he's not going to be 100% when he comes back. There's no way he's going to be. He may not be 100% until next offseason. So I, I just have this, this, this funny feeling like Connor that uh, he's not going to play it all this season. I think they're going to just shut him down in a couple weeks and say, you know what? We tried rushing him back. It didn't work. We're going to, you know, stick with Scott Tolzien or, 
for Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, and they they near, very nearly did get the win against the Cardinals with Jacoby Brissett last week. But it's just uh, it's just been a mess. And you mentioned you know what the Colts and the organization. Obviously, Ryan Grigson's not there anymore, but his uh, shadow is still cast over the organization with what I think was uh, a very very poor job that he done uh, as their general manager. So we'll see what happens with Luck, but it's uh, just not looking good for the Colts. And the the injury had uh, part of the. The team over there at Rotoviz, there's an email chain that goes around and there's a couple of doctors that do be in it. I know Doug Moore is not a doctor, but we do have a couple of doctors over there at Rotoviz and they, they give thoughts on uh, what they expected with uh, Luck a few weeks ago. And based off the injury, which is meant to take significantly more time to heal, it is kind of a nine-month injury recovery time. And so really realistically, it wasn't uh, optimistic of him ever playing uh, at the start of the season. So we'll see what happens, but it's just uh, you know unfortunate for the Colts, unfortunate for uh, Colts fans in particular and we'll see what happens with luck over the next couple of weeks but uh, obviously if you own the, any of the Colts in fantasy football I own T.Y. Hilton in a number of leagues and I've been sitting them through the first two weeks you just can't you just can't put those uh, Colts players really out there and uh, start them with any confidence uh, on a weekly basis so we're going to get in now to uh, the winners and losers of week two and can they kind of maintain what they did heading into week three and of course for the rest of the season First player up is Tom Brady. It's the 18th time in his career that he scored at least 30 fantasy points in one game. That is the second most such performances by any player, better or only behind Drew Brees, who has 20. So both of those are uh, absolutely uh, incredible quarterbacks, have a, an incredible career in the NFL, and with that, obviously, an incredible career in fantasy football. I'm guessing we could say Rob Gronkowski was a winner for the Patriots last week, too. Looking in, though, to uh, three guys that I thought all had monster weeks, probably the, the star players of the week. We have Travis Kelsey, who caught 8 of 10 uh, targets for 103 yards and a touchdown, versus the Eagles. He uh, had one where he, he kind of dived in from almost the 5-yard line over a defender. It was an incredibly impressive score, and uh, Kelsey has started the season really, really well. Another Chief who had a, a big week was Kareem Hunt, obviously had a big game against the Patriots, and uh, he was held 7 yards until halftime then in the second uh, half he had 13 carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns so a big big uh, step forward for him in that second half wasn't involved much in the passing game but caught all of his targets three targets uh, for 28 yards and the other one Michael Crabtree who pretty much is a red zone machine at this point in his career went six for six on his targets caught three touchdowns and uh, so far this season the Raiders wide receiver splits after week two uh, 18 targets for Cooper 13 for Crabtree but then and the red zone Cooper won in that one four two two as well, but Crabtree through two weeks has been uh, by far the most productive off the two Cooper with a couple of drops uh, to start the season again. Out of those three, I'm going to let you go first, Connor. Pick one of those that you thought uh, had the the best week in week two, and the one that you think can continue to produce that over the course of the season. So yeah, I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt, and I like his success to continue a lot. So I know there's been a lot of talk, um, you know, on Twitter and just in the the football world about how Andy Reid historically uses his back as a bell cow, you know, meaning he gets a lot of carries and used frequently in the passing game. And you know, a lot of what he does in the passing game with his running backs is getting them into space and allowing them to, you know, like have be mismatches against linebackers so you know that's they're they're really valuable catches so I mean even when he only caught three passes he had 28 yards and obviously I'm sure Doug saw what he did to the Patriots unfortunately for him Um, but you know another way that I like to evaluate players by using success rate and uh, missed yards per attempt two metrics you can find visuals for on you know sharpfootballstats.com one of the people that I work for actually and essentially just measures how efficient 
how efficient a player is and how consistently a player gains yards necessary to help the team. And, you know, right now, Hunt is incredibly efficient among running backs of 20 or more carries through two weeks. He currently ranks fourth in success rate and fifth in missed yards per attempt. So he was incredibly good on a consistent basis so far. And, you know, the Chiefs defense is helping him keep in games. So, I mean, he's pretty much locked into a big workload on a pretty good team. You know, so I, I think Hunt's success definitely has a great chance to continue. Yeah, you mentioned Andy Reid too, and I, I mentioned it on this show on a number of occasions. I think he's pretty much uh, one of the most uh, underappreciated coaches in the NFL. I think obviously we talk about his teams uh, don't tend to be, you know, offensively minded and, you know, he likes to run the ball. I, the one criticism I do have him of is his two-minute war, or and his two-minute drives tend to not ever work for him uh, because he, he doesn't uh, pick up the pace at that point. But I think I would argue that he's a, certainly a top five coach in the NFL, somebody I think that is uh, overlooked on many occasions. Doug, out of those uh, other two that remain, Michael Crabtree, Travis Kelsey, do you want to give a, a few thoughts on one of those? Yeah, so just not to, to echo the same thing about the East. I mean, I think Travis Kelsey, you know, with the – I'll just mention real quick, you know, when they when they got rid of, of Jeremy Macklin, they were going to be targets to be picked up. Tyreek Hill I don't think is a true wide receiver – I think he's a guy who can play in the slot. He can be a guy who runs outside, but he's more of a really, really good gadget player. Um, and I think Kelsey is the biggest beneficiary of Alex Smith doing so well so far. Um, we saw it. But I will mention Michael Crabtree. I, I here, Here's my issue with people hyping up Amari Cooper. I think he's a great receiver. I think he is. But in, in fantasy, Michael Crabtree is, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, over the past two seasons since Amari Cooper came into the league, he's been a better fantasy receiver. Yet he's so significantly underrated for whatever reason because Cooper is ceiling is so much higher. But Crabtree has been this red zone, like you mentioned, this touchdown machine. Three touchdowns over the weekend. Uh, just a crazy, crazy stat day for anybody. Um, and I think it's going to continue. I think this Raiders offense really didn't lose a beat. If anything, their running game has improved. Their defense, eh. You know, but they, they're not known for their defense. It's more for this offense. And I think Crabtree is, is a touchdown a week threat. I think he's a guy who's more reliable. I think he had more receptions and touchdowns than Cooper last season. I certainly see that being the case this year as well. Um, it's just th- this offense is, is going to continue to score and score. And I think Crabtree is one of the biggest reasons for that. And I think he's going to continue to be. So I think whether it's PPR or standard or anything else, he's very, very valuable as a wide receiver too, I think. Um, and Amari Cooper, his, his ship is sinking a little bit. Um, he's still, you know, a great fantasy receiver. But I just don't. We see the season after season. I just don't think he. I don't think Cooper can stand up to to Crabtree and other aspects of the wide receiver game. So I think Crabtree is going to continue to be a touchdown a week threat, and um, he should continue to be started in every league. Uh, moving on now to, uh, I know the, so, uh, a team very close to, to Connor's heart is the Denver Broncos, and we're going to head on two Broncos players here. Uh, Trevor Simeon had uh, one of the best games of his young career uh, as a quarterback. He completed 22 of 32 passes, 231 yards and four touchdowns with one interception while they faced the Cowboys in week two. So he's had a prominent start to the field. He's, uh, you know, nothing spectacular again with Simeon, but He's definitely uh, had a, a couple of nice games there back-to-back. What has your thoughts been so far on Trevor Simeon for the season? And the next one then is CJ Anderson, who rushed for 25 uh, rushed twenty five times for 118 yards and a touchdown. And he had uh, three receptions for 36 yards and another touchdown. So a very impressive uh, game. We've kind of seen the, the CJ Anderson that we've seen uh, two years ago again. Out of those two, uh, your thoughts so far on them after two weeks? 
Yeah, so being a Broncos fan, while, you know, they're very dear to my heart, I'm also, you know, very hypercritical of them. So, you know, Simeon, yeah, Simeon's been, I really didn't like him coming into this season because, you know, I, I tweeted out this stat over last season, but on third down conversions last year, third downs, he threw the ball short of the sticks 81% of the time. It was like 25th out of 32 quarterbacks, something ridiculous where it was mind-bogglingly frustrating to watch. Because, you know, you can't convert third downs often when you're throwing it a few yards short of the sticks, you know. But now this year, he's he's looked pretty good. You know, he's he's been really accurate in the short game. And Demarius and Sanders have been open frequently. You know, they were having a field day against the Dallas corners. So, you know, one of my biggest flaws, though, with Simeon is still just he doesn't want to throw the ball deep that much. And I think that, like, opposing defensive coordinators are eventually going to catch on to that and start – you know, start making him try and go deep. And, you know, if he can have success there, then we're talking about a really, really good offense. But right now, you know, I'm I'm not fully on board with the whole Simeon thing because he's been able to kind of, you know, dink his dink and dunk his way downfield with, you know, Demarius and Sanders catching up, catching a lot of passes and taking them longer, you know, with their legs. So, and then as far as Anderson goes, you know, the Broncos have made a, like a focal point of their offseason basically to stop the run and to be able to run themselves because, Pretty much in 2015, all they had was an elite pass defense. And a lot of what they're doing now is, you know, really trying to spring the run game. And the reworked offensive line has looked great. You know, Anderson's had big holes to run through. And when he has hit holes, you know, he's been breaking tackles and stuff. Like, it, Anderson has looked really good. And I, I'm really surprised and love the efforts from the coaching staff and everything that's been going on with the Broncos. But, uh, you know, week three is going to be interesting. It's the Bills. I think it's kind of a trap game. So we'll see. Yeah, and uh, with the Broncos, obviously, there's a lot of changes happened this past offseason. I've been impressed with how quickly they've kind of transitioned in. It's been like a, a smooth transition from uh, one coaching staff to another. And uh, the offensive line has been a, a bit of a surprise to me. I wasn't expecting them to start as strong. We'll see uh, as offensive line play around the NFL has kind of struggled. The Broncos have done a nice job with that defense uh, through two weeks has been uh, pretty, pretty sick. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I'm sure that's going to continue. I'm pretty confident that defense is going to, to continue to dominate as the season moves along. Next, we're going to head in three running backs. Todd Gurley, 88 yards and a touchdown and 16 carries. He caught three passes uh, for 48 yards and another touchdown. His best performance in quite some time, but he did also fumble twice. I'm just not uh, sold on Todd Gurley and uh, what he's been doing with the Rams, but it has to say this was a step in the right direction. The other one, uh, Buck Allen, he played uh, the majority of the snaps at running back for the Baltimore Ravens this week, played in 42 of the 68 offensive snaps in week two against the Browns, rushed 14 times for 66 yards and caught five passes for 35 yards and a touchdown so he comfortably outplayed Terrence West in this one and then uh, Chris Thompson who had a, a monster game for the Redskins rushed three times for 77 yards two touchdowns and caught three of seven targets for 29 yards against the Rams so out of those three uh, Chris Thompson had a, a really really nice week for himself he's the one that I tend to own particularly in PPR leagues and uh, any of my teams but the other two guys I, I don't own a lot of but uh, out of those I'm going to let Doug go on this one Doug any of those guys that you kind of think uh, maybe it's not going to continue for them for the season and then one that you think uh, really has a shot at uh, having a really strong continuation for the rest of the year yeah I'm actually going to say that I don't trust either of those guys uh, Buck Allen or um, Todd Gurley um, Gurley we've seen this before he'll you know a clock is right you know a broken clock is, is right twice a day I just I can't trust Todd Gurley in this offense. I just don't. And this offense has improved. It really has. Their offensive line has made some improvements. 
Um, they got Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth. You know, um, they got Sammy Watkins. Um, you know, and they got a new head coach. But I just can't trust it. I don't trust Todd Gurley in this offense. Um, you know, and, and like you said, even in a good game, he still had a very big negative, which is the two fumbles. Now, granted, there's no competition behind him. There's virtually no competition. So it's not like he's going to lose carries or anything like that. But I'm just not confident in his ability to to be a consistent RB2 um, while this offense is still trying to find its identity. But the thing with Buck Allen is, and, and, and the thing is just with the Ravens in general, you just you can't predict this offense. You really can't. Because you, you know, whether it's Terrence West or, or Kenneth Dixon or Buck Allen, and I know Kenneth Dixon's out for the season, or, you know, some other running back or even wide receiver or tight end, you just can't trust them. You know, whether it's all their skill players, it's just really tough to trust. Um, and, and I think it's a situation that Buck Allen took advantage of a good situation for him. Terrence West, who didn't practice today, is dealing with an injury. Buck Allen certainly has the talent. But as we've seen in the past, they falter, just like Terrence West did. And so like any other running back before Ray Rice or after Ray Rice. It's just hard to trust the Ravens' skill players. Um, I would say other than Jeremy Macklin, um, who I think is at least a consistent wide receiver three. But Buck Allen, yeah, he could have a really good match, a really good game this weekend. But I don't see that happening every game, and I don't see him being the starter every game this season. Whether they get outside help or whether he just sucks and they go back to Terrence West, it's just so unpredictable. <laughs> it's it's tough for me to get behind any any real skill player on this team. Because it, every week it could change. So I, I don't buy either. Um, but if I had to pick one, I would say Gurley. Because just because he's going to get a workload every week. And have the opportunity at least to make something. Whereas Buck Allen, he could falter in two weeks. You know, yesterday's news. So that, that's just what I, I think. Least. Yeah, I do I do tend to agree with you on that there. But I, I do like Chris Thompson uh, as a PPR uh, running back. Uh, then we have two other ones that I have here. Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan hauled in five or six uh, targets for seven, eight yards and a touchdown against the Saints. And Derrick Henry had 92 yards and a touchdown and 14 carries uh, for the Titans against the Jaguars. So he was not targeted in the passing game. He did have a couple of uh, goal line uh, carries uh, kind of vultured on him. Delaney Walker with a rushing touchdown in this one. So there are two other players to keep an eye on uh, as we head into week three. We kind of, they were the winners and we kind of, outside of the first three, we had a lot of negative things kind of to touch on them so we're going to go into the losers it's going to be interesting to see if we have a positive spin on who the losers uh, so far were uh, we have Jordan Howard uh, on Sunday he played despite being listed as questionable with that shoulder injury uh, never really got anything going the team was absolutely uh, blown apart by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers having that bye week in week one they destroyed uh, the Bears and this one he finished with less than one fantasy point 0.7 fantasy points on nine carries so pretty much uh, absolutely abysmal and obviously Tariq Cohen there is uh, having a nice little run uh, as that there kind of pass catching running back for the team the other one is Ezekiel Elliott obviously uh, it was tough for him against that Denver Broncos defense that I talked about a moment ago for the first time in his 17 NFL games in his career he uh, pretty much had the the worst numbers of his career and uh, held uh, rushed nine times for eight yards and, and that Cowboys lost to the Broncos so 
once the Cowboys tend to go away from that run game, I think they they're going to struggle as the season progresses. The other the only positive for Ezekiel Elliott this week was that the NFL's motion uh, to try and kind of get that six game suspension upheld was denied. So it looks like uh, Elliott's going to play the entire. 2016 or 2017 season rather uh, out of those two um, i'm gonna let you go again connor with those two um who are those uh, are the biggest loser and do you expect them to bounce back uh elliot obviously i think will bounce back yeah so i think elliot bounces back later in the season but just you know kind of analyzing the game here jason garrett is just and their play calling is unbelievably poor so um warren sharp mentioned this on his podcast but jason garrett has thrown the ball on 93% of his of plays inside the opponent's 15-yard line. Yeah, so that. inside the opponent's 15-yard line, 13 of 14 pet plays have been a pass. So like you're you're got to be scratching your head here like why is he not running the ball with one of the most efficient runners in you know the NFL and like what's going on there? And you looked at their game plan was just horrible. They were spreading the ball out and trying to run, you know, against 8-9 in the box out of the shotgun, you know, they weren't sticking to their power run game. It just really made no sense. So, you know, I mean, his schedule right now the first few weeks is pretty tough. They play a lot of good defenses and it doesn't get it much easier next week with the Cardinals. But, you know, later on in the season, especially towards the fantasy championships, he should hit stride. And then, you know, where is Howard? I'm just so concerned with his usage in the passing game. And, I mean, the Bears don't look like they're going to be any good. Glennon looked awful. So, you know, he's going to be facing a lot of negative game script where last year they were sticking with the run. This year looks like Tariq Cohen's going to be playing some big snaps. So, I mean, Howard's a loser for sure, and Zeke should bounce back, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel the, the same way. If you drafted Howard, obviously, in that late first round uh, of ADP, you're um, you're probably very, very concerned at this point. Doug, you're up this time, and I called this uh, category of, of two the invisible men. We talked uh, a few weeks ago, Doug, about LeGarrette Blunt and how we thought he would struggle in Philadelphia. Obviously, uh, he ran a lot of the time in New England behind uh, James Devlin as his lead blocker, so no fullback on the roster in Philadelphia. He uh, played 6 of 72 snaps this past week. It was 8 fewer than Wendell Smallwood, who got, got the start, but uh, you know, obviously he didn't have a huge day either, but uh, 44 snaps less than Darren Sproles, so uh, you know he led the backfield with 12 touches on those 44 snaps so the running backs have not really been a part of the offense down there in Philadelphia the other one then is Bilal Powell somebody who I uh, am a huge uh, fan of and uh, unfortunately for me the New York Jets aren't a fan at all of him uh, he only played in 17 snaps on Sunday for uh, the the New York Jets and they were pretty much blown out uh, very early on by the Oakland Raiders so I thought it was going to be a good game script for him to get those pass catching opportunities but uh, just uh, very very disappointing in week one he touched the ball 12 times this past week he only touched the ball six times so it's not good Matt Forte is getting the majority of uh, the work there although he is not getting a huge amount of work it's just uh, very, very disappointing for anyone who thought uh, Powell could have a big year this season. Uh, the whole talk in the off season was that he would step up and be the lead man in the Jets' backfield. Maybe as the season progresses, that will happen, but early signs have uh, not been good. Uh, with both of those, I'm pretty uh, sure, you know, even in PPR leagues with Powell, although later in the season you might want to pick him back up, both those guys for me are uh, definitely cut candidates. Doug, out of those two, they are, for me, the invisible men. Any of them that might become visible? Yeah, if I had to take a guess, I would say that um, Powell is more likely to be become visible, I guess you could say. Um, I, I will say it here. I would not be surprised if LeGarrette Blunt is released in a matter of a week or two. He just does not fit this game script. He doesn't fit their offensive. He's a guy who needs a lead blocker. Um, you know, He's not a guy who can run outside. 
He's more of an inside the tackles guy, and he just he just doesn't fit with their. They, the Eagles have always wanted guys who can be adept in the receiving game, and we even saw in Week One he had a receiving touchdown, which I think was the second in his career out of his I think seven or eight seasons, which is quite you know quite something, but it's just really 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 tough. Um, to trust either of these guys right now. Like I said, I think Blunt could be released, and he might even be better in the season if he gets si- if he signs somewhere else. And I'm not saying New England. I don't think there's space for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they need another running back. Mike Gillisley has four rushing touchdowns, and he's very comfortable in this role. But I just think Blunt is not going to be on this team much longer. The Eagles have just about cut him out of their game plan altogether. Powell, there's always a chance that Matt Forte gets hurt. And Elijah McGuire can't be trusted on to be a lead back. And then Powell comes back into it. I think he was dealing with a minor injury as well. Not saying that that's the whole reason that he, you know, didn't get a lot of carries and touches. But I would say that he's, we saw it last season when, when Forte got hurt. Powell was one of the best running backs in the second half of last season, um, fancy-wise. So maybe that's what we're looking at again. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I would say that Powell was the guy who has a much better chance of becoming fantasy relevant. I wouldn't cut him just yet, um, considering I drafted him as an RB2 in some leagues, in my PPR leagues. Um, so it's, it's kind of tough for me to cut that investment loose already. But uh, Blunt, I, I would advise everybody to release him or, or cut him. He's not going to do anything. But Powell, fingers crossed, he, he sort of does a, a you know, deja vu over 26 and really steps up in the second half of the season. Yeah, and uh, obviously when we're looking at those two guys, I mentioned uh, Invisible Men, and Powell was invisible on quite a number of my lineups last week. Another guy who was invisible in week one, and I gave him a chance in a couple of lineups uh, that I was uh, had Odell Beckham in, and I was sitting Odell just uh, due to the, the concerns on Monday Night Football, was uh, Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt has been absolutely invisible. He didn't even make it onto the Invisible Man list because he was that invisible, and uh, pretty much at the end of that game, the last he looked like he had given up on the Cleveland Browns season already after week two, so... Hopefully we can see, uh, with Corey Coleman picking up that injury, the hand injury, uh, and going on IR, we would like to see Kenny Britt uh, step up and uh, make an appearance in Week 3 because that would help my uh, lineups quite considerably. A couple more invisible men. I don't have his Seattle teammate here, Eddie Lacy. is obviously very, very invisible last week, but uh, Jimmy Graham managed just one catch on two targets this week, so he slotted into the second list. Uh, Mike Wallace caught one of three targets for seven uh, yards for against uh, for the Ravens against the Browns this past week. Uh, that would have been a game where you would expect uh, him to have a nice game. Over the first two weeks of the season, his yardage totals are eight and seven through two games, so 15 yards on the season for him. And now his next two, or this in week three, he uh, lines up with Jill and Ramsey and AJ Boye. So uh, I can't see a big week for him this week either. So it's been a very tough start to the season for Mike Wallace. Branton Cooks of the New England Patriots targeted just four times on Brady's 45 pass attempts this past week. Uh, two catches for 37 yards. So obviously uh, starting off um, the season for Branton Cooks up in New England. Uh, what is your thoughts been, Connor, on uh, how he's uh, slotted in there? Obviously with the injuries that I mentioned earlier in the show uh, and the fact that Brady had a monster game of 447 yards and three touchdowns. How does it look uh, for Cooks so far in New England? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not really looking good. And, um, I mean, this is an absolute smash spot for Cooks. You know, he let down in this, uh, like, revenge game narrative hype. And, you know, back at home and or back in New Orleans, you know, trying to face his old team. But, like, Brady spread, spreads the ball out a ton and has through his career. The only time he's really targeted players often has been, you know, Randy Moss and, 
even then it's just been like spreading it out and more of a trust the system thing. And with all the injuries and Cook still not, you know, being uh, targeted that much, you have to wonder if like there's something else going on there. I mean, if you look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, Cook's route running is, you know, very poor. It was graded out as one of the worst that he did. So, you know, Doug may have more insight into this, but, you know, if he's not running good enough routes and not open, like maybe he's just not going to get that many targets besides, you know, a lot of deep balls, which I think they will utilize more. I think he'll do better later on in the season. But, I mean, through two weeks, it is kind of discouraging. Yeah, I mean, just to sort of touch on what Connor said about Brandon Cooks. um, Yeah, he was never necessarily known as a route runner. Um, you know, he's an electric guy, you know, you know, he can make open field plays, he can stretch the field out, but he's not a guy who you can expect to have a, a very extensive route tree. Um, like he said, really the only three, there's three guys in the, in the entirety of the Patriots offense since Brady has been their quarterback that I would trust as a consistent guy. That's Randy Moss, Wes Walker, and, and Julian Edelman. Those are the three guys and two of those guys are mostly slot guys, um, or play at least short to intermediate, um, that he's really trusted on a week-to-week basis. Uh, a lot of it's going to be matchup based. That's really what it is. The Patriots are notorious for spreading the ball around. Um, Bill Belichick doesn't give a crap about your revenge game. Um, so, for whatever that's worth. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just, it's it's discouraging that he hasn't seen more targets, at least. Um you know, you would think he did. Uh, you know, there's a chance he could this week because the, the Texans cornerbacks are hurt really badly, or at least their their depth is. And Hogan's hurt. Um, Amendola is just coming back. Um, you know, Burkhead may not play. So th- there's definitely going to be targets available. How much they, you know, to actually use them, it's anybody's guess. But um, I would I would actually fire him up this week. Uh, just because I think the, the injuries to the Houston secondary, um, the injuries to the Patriots skill players, and the fact that this could be a high-scoring game, um, I, I think it could be at least. Um, I, I think Cooks has a chance to, you know, not, maybe not put up a lot of yards or get a lot of receptions, but I think he's a chance to get a touchdown this week. I, I just have a funny feeling about it. And uh, obviously when uh, Cooks was with the Saints as well, in his career it's always tended to be a case of, you know, he would have those weeks, one catch, two catches, maybe 20 yards, 40 yards, and then he would all of a sudden have a game where he has, like, you know, five catches for 135 yards and two touchdowns. That was his MO when he was with the Saints, and that could be a situation as well with the Patriots and Doug mentioned game-dependent. The Patriots, obviously, one of the best game plan teams in the NFL, so there will be games where we see Cooks go off. But just uh, from a week-to-week perspective, and it's always been my thoughts with Brandon Cooks, very, very hard to trust him. You mentioned as well Bill Belichick not giving a damn about uh, revenge narrative games well uh, this week I'm not sure if you've uh, seen it on Twitter but uh, Golden Tate certainly doesn't give a damn about uh, fantasy football teams I seen so he tweeted out on Twitter uh, obviously that he uh, somebody sent a message to him that he, he needed nine points uh, in the fantasy game to win he only got six points in the match and uh, Golden Tate replied to say that uh, in a quote that he pretty much didn't care about uh, your fantasy team. Uh, he pretty much only cared that the Lions won and that there was all that mattered. So uh, no, no surprise there. That's exactly how I would expect an NFL player uh, to react about that. Uh, I th- uh, and I kind of, we touched on it uh, before we got on air about the fact that it's pretty uh, pretty ridiculous to be tweeting uh, at NFL players telling them that uh, they lost you fantasy football matches because none of them care, do they? No, not not at all. I mean, they they don't care at all about our fantasy football matches and individually, you know, us calling them out and saying, like, we need more points from you or whatever. Like, they could care less about that. 
But at the same time, you know, we talked about this a little bit too before the show. And like we, the fantasy football industry is huge. It was, I mean, it's billions of dollars worth that's going towards the NFL. You know, we keep viewing up. Like I watch games that I would have never watched before, you know, as a fan. So, you know, fantasy football is important for their for their money. And I don't think they realize that fully. So it's an inter- something interesting to think about, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I do agree, though. I, I agree that they probably don't understand about, uh, you know, how much fantasy football drives the NFL as well in a way. But I have to say that uh, I, I always just see people, I see these tweets, even people that I, I know on Twitter, and I see these messages being sent to players or just sent to maybe celebrities and I just think, what? What is wrong with this person? So, uh, <laughs> please, uh, yeah. please, if you're listening to the show, don't be uh, somebody who does that uh, at any point. Uh, obviously, we're heading into week three. Is there any players, uh, maybe for DFS or waiver wire targets, that you want to hit on that we haven't touched on as we we've run through the show here? Yeah, I mean, Richard Higgins. You saw. I mean, we talked about Kenny Britt uh, with the Browns there. So Richard Higgins was actually activated last week off the practice squad. And you came in and, you know, caught a lot of balls, played a lot of snaps. You know, he could actually potentially lead the Browns, I think, in catches going forward. So you're you're looking at a guy who actually has potential with Corey Coleman's broken hand and Kenny Britt just being an absolute loaf out there. I don't know if you saw that play on Twitter, but, you know, someone recorded it and it was like him running around with 30 seconds left on fourth down. And he literally just did a, you know, a little in route and was walking pretty much. And the play was incomplete and they lost the game. So, you know, he deserves to be cut, benched, or traded. You know, he does not deserve to be on the field at this point. So Higgins could be a really good waiver wire scoop there for me. Yeah, and he uh, pretty much, uh, you know, I think it was like a fourth and seven. He, you know, ran, ran a three-yard route, so pretty much did not care. Uh, what happened at the end of that game? I know the game was kind of wasn't really going to matter but it's just uh, you don't want to see that from any player uh, running down through some potential other players uh, JJ Nelson had a nice game uh, last week and uh, I think he's somebody who's really been coming on his last kind of seven or eight games he's uh, had a nice run off farm if you look back through it so he's somebody who's uh, standing out for the Cardinals at the moment Jermaine Kirsch as well uh, has had a nice little run since uh, those two games with the Jets and I was impressed with his play this past week so uh, with all the kind of we've run through pretty much all of the show notes here uh, and Connor is on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL uh, anything Connor that you've uh, coming out uh, in the next week or so that you want to plug or anything just I'll let you have the floor for a moment um nothing big I'm, I'm gonna probably be in the next week or so having uh like a who's gonna bounce back and who's going to stay hot kind of piece you know coming out soon and I'm gonna dive really deep into like two or three players, you know, on each side of that argument and really try and predict whether now's the time to sell and get rid of them for what you can or whether, you know, now's the time to buy low. So I think that'll be an interesting one. You know, stay on the lookout for that. Yeah, so obviously uh, at Connor Allen NFL for that one. Doug's on Twitter at Demore NFL. Doug, anything coming out uh, in 30 seconds or less uh, this coming week? Oh, where do I start? No, um, yeah, I, I've been a little quiet on the writing front. I'm hoping to get a, uh, an article or two out this week with Pat's Pulpit. Um, but yeah, we're going to be recording, um, Lee and I tonight for, um, locker room guys, our Patriots podcast. So that'll be out later this week, but otherwise, uh, keep an eye out for some Patriots centric stuff on, um, either Pat's pulpit or, um, um, somewhere else. <laughs> some other website. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to make sure I get it in within 30 seconds. No, I, I would say that either, uh, Patriots on, you know, Patriots on scout, um, dot com or, um, the lead sports um there is an article that should be coming out in the next few days i i've written about um the top 10 uh draft picks 
by uh, Bill Belichick of all time. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun doing research and really debating with myself on on what to uh, where to rank everybody. So um, that'll be something to keep an eye out for. But yeah, um, mostly just podcast stuff. Yeah, and uh, obviously uh, lots of Patriots work with Doug, so make sure you're checking that out at NFL. Uh, over the last couple of days and over the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been doing a lot of work on Rotoviz, as I've mentioned on the last couple of shows, so do check out the, the podcast that we've got going on there, and uh, I've, uh, over the last couple of weeks, been doing the Beat Report podcast there, talking with beat reporters from around the NFL. Last week, I did cover that uh, New England Patriots game prior uh, to them beating the Saints this week. It's going to be the Seattle Seahawks talking with Bob Condotta of the Seattle Times. So that'll come out on Friday. So uh, be sure and check that one out. And uh, pretty much with all that, that is uh, all I have to say. If you've made it through this far into the podcast, and make sure, obviously, I forgot to mention you're following me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. But if you've made it this far, uh, you've made it through uh, a technological miracle because prior to recording, pre-recording, during recording, we had a, a number of hiccups. So if you've listened through this and you thought, Man, that show sounded smooth, and it just rolled straight through. Uh, that is just uh, a fine, fine editing job by myself. So make sure, uh, make sure that you do hit that subscribe button, and uh, make sure you come back next week and listen to an even better uh, techno- technological masterclass by myself. So until we're back to recap next or to recap this weekend's action, enjoy the weekend, and of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.